This is Vermont Credit Unions on the Air, a service of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. I'm Joe Bergeron, President of the Association, and with me are Adam Nekrasen and Jessica Ossie, Lead Advocacy Strategists and Lobbyists for the Association's efforts in the Vermont State House. Today we're here to talk a bit about the recently adjourned legislative session, or at least temporarily adjourned, and some of the legislation we advocated for credit unions during the session, some going into effect later this year, and some we may see revisited in the second year of the biennium when legislators reconvene in January of 2018. So let's start with you, Adam. What do you think are the highlights of the 2017 session, and what do you think happens next? Great. Thanks, Joe. And um, the 2016 election brought the biggest change to state government in a long, long time. Uh, it was a really a historic reset. We have a new governor, a new lieutenant governor, a new pro tem, a new speaker, new committee chairs, a new attorney general, and the list goes on. And so one of the key features of the 2017 legislative session was the newness, the year of the rookie, uh, some newspaper editorialists have called it, um, where lawmakers and the governor were really getting oriented and in adjusting into their new role. Now, having said that, the, um, they certainly um, come to Montpelier with an agenda and ambition to um, make some change. And the governor was really focused on uh, no new taxes, passing a balanced budget, and promoting economic development. Um, he really um, brought that focus really clearly to the state house in a, in a simple way. And, um, but he also started off the session with a real strong additional focus, which was a surprise to some, but um, but you know brings a change agenda, which was you know trying to reallocate education spending dollars, K through 12 education, to grow early childhood support and college education. And so it was a real big initiative at the start of the session. Um, it didn't really go anywhere, but it's a signal that you know the governor is looking to shake things up uh, over time. The other key feature, of the 2017 legislative session is the uncertainty um, from the federal government's um, pending changes around health care and fiscal priorities. And so while it didn't really materialize into anything specific this year, they've the legislature has planned a special session in October um, in case they need to respond quickly to changes that come from the federal government. So it's the year of the reset, the year of the rookie, and quite an uncertain environment, but nevertheless, um, some economic development legislation was enacted, and uh, a balanced budget, which included um, some big investments in affordable housing. So legislators are returning to Montpelier for just a couple days in June to deal with the the veto situation and uh, approve a budget and whatnot, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And then they also have a placeholder in October, you said? That's right. That's right. So this is a very unusual new situation for the Vermont State Capitol. We've kind of returned to the legislature being controlled by Democrats and the, the, the governor's office being controlled by a Republican. And so what comes of that um, partisan tension um, is that the governor's planning to veto the budget, uh, a, a property tax bill, and the marijuana policy reform legislation. And um, that kicks in a special session later in June where um, those issues either get further sorted out or um, ultimately we could end on the budget matter in a place where we have uh, 
state government shutdown on July 1st, which is it's unlikely. It's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> so, Jessica, what's your sense of the key features of the session? Um, Vermont has never started the fiscal year without a budget in place. So I, you know, I would highly doubt that this governor would allow for a government shutdown um, over some fairly minor not uh, issues in the budget. Um, <clears throat> so my expectation of, of the veto session is that uh, the legislators will come to some agreement on the teacher health care issue and pass the budget and the governor will sign it and we'll start the year off with a balanced budget. Great. So, <coughs> Jessica, um, you are our primary point person in the State House during the session on uh, monitoring and participating in legislation that's of specific interest to credit unions. So I know that you uh, put together a hit list for us recently of those items and, and what the, the state of each of those was at the end of the session and what we might be looking at again next year to deal with again. So mm -hmm. want to give us a Reader's Digest version of those? Sure. The issue that we spent the most time following this year was the Consumer Protection Bill. Every year there's a, a sort of like an omnibus consumer protection bill that usually starts in the House Commerce Committee. And this year, when the bill was first introduced, there were, I think it was like 70 pages of provisions, some of which we had not seen before. Um, generally, we come out the consumer protection issues from a friendly perspective you know we support credit unions generally support issues that are favorable to consumers um, but we have to look at them very closely to see if they're going to impact our business or if they're well thought out this year we spent a lot of time working on an, a change to the way that escrow uh, escrow accounts are managed by financial institutions and ultimately there was a um, a small change that was made um, that credit unions will be impacted by, and the new law requires that lenders, at least annually, um, conduct an escrow analysis to determine the borrower's monthly escrow account payments for the next year, and they need to take into account any um, changes in tax liability that may result after an adjustment um, to the borrowers um, income tax liability because of income sensitivity and it's not it shouldn't have a huge impact on the business of credit unions but it is going to be something that they're going to need to pay attention to and they there should be guidance coming from the tax department and the Department of Financial Regulation on that one there was another provision in the um, consumer protection bill that didn't pass this year but we do expect that it will come back um, there are some large out-of-state credit card companies that um, use some less than desirable collection methods, and as a result, um, there was an effort to crack down on credit card collections, um, and some of the provisions uh, were a bit onerous and we thought not well thought through. So uh, that. Those changes were put on hold. Um, we expect to work with some of the proponents of these changes over the coming months and return in January with something we could all live with. 
it, from my recollection of the legend, the 70 page bill, when it really originally got introduced, it seems like, and we don't touch on every one of those sections, but, uh, it seemed in the end, like more came out, uh, than ended up passing, mm -hmm. uh, in, in the end, because it was really kind of omnibus. It touched a whole bunch of different pieces, parts. It was a little bit of a frustrating process. Sometimes legislation gets introduced because one consumer, one, um, constituent has one complaint to a legislator and they introduce legislation um, to address that one person's um, complaint. And when the whole story is told, it turns out that the complaint was a you know, much bigger story than, uh, than what was originally heard. There are two sides to the story. And um, so this year, the Omnibus Consumer Protection Bill contained a number of provisions that ultimately, upon further reflection and deliberation, were not merited at this time. Mm -hmm. Cool. So are there things that um, either were in that bill or some other legislation that didn't go anywhere in the, by the end of this session, but we should expect to see come up again next year in the next session? Um, like those credit card provisions, collection provisions, uh, things of that nature. Uh, I know state bank issue also came up again this year, like it does almost every year. The state bank is a perpetual, perpetual yeah. part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, we're fond of saying that we don't need a state bank because we have such widespread credit union um, consumer membership, which really is a, a people banking together model. Uh, nevertheless, you know, the state bank conversation kind of lingers around constantly. This year, the, there was one hearing on the um, state bank, and the commissioner of financial regulation, Mike Pichek, did a pretty good job shutting it down this year. Um, he he uh, did substantial research and presented a number of risks that a state bank would present in Vermont. Uh, the proponents of the state bank um, had an idea, again, this is sort of a one-size-fits-all idea, um, that on paper looks good, but when you apply it to the situation on the ground in Vermont, it didn't have the benefits um, and it had more risk than uh, the proponents expected, I think. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, the, if we don't hear about this for the next couple of years. Really? Yeah, and an another issue, Joe, that is making its way through the legislative process, no new law this year, but the building energy labeling, which would uh, impact residential and commercial property closings. Um, it's, it's a proposal to try and get more consumer awareness, like a property inspection at the time of purchase, but an energy inspection of sorts. The current proposal is much scaled back from the one that was in the air a few years ago. It, the idea being proposed to the legislature now, which will come back next year, is a consumer awareness that this is kind of an affidavit that you are, or a, a form you sign that that you are aware that you should look into this issue at, at the time of closing. Another issue that we will be hearing a little bit more about is the public retirement um, program that was set in motion this year with legislation. It's called the Green Mountain Secure Retirement Plan. There'll be a study committee working on how to implement a public retirement plan. And this is a novel idea. I believe that Vermont would be the first state to embark on a program like this. 
and it be a voluntary program available to employers with 50 or fewer employees that don't currently offer a retirement plan and also to self-employed people. And um, it could be a great benefit to folks that don't currently have a, save, a retirement savings program in place. I remember we reported on that at the time that the legislation was introduced or maybe when it was being taken up in whatever committee that it, it was in. And I don't recall what the, um, you know, if, if it got massaged much in the discussion process by committee members. But um, if I recall correctly, the legislation was mostly focused on laying out the parameters of the, well, the, the need and the parameters of the outside boundaries of a public retirement program and how it might work. But really, <clears throat> the action part of it was creating this commission to work out the details, right? So it's, it's a ways off. Correct. There, was, there had been a study committee um, in previous years mm -hmm. that made recommendations. And this year, again, it is more study but this legislation is more directive and um, kind of commits the state to a course of, um, expresses its intent to, to move forward mm -hmm. with a public retirement plan, but there, there are the details that will be coming later. Yeah. Um, you know, something that there was a lot of discussion on, but uh, is one of the reasons that um, we see that two-day session coming up and maybe again in October, depending on what happens, is the whole marijuana mm -hmm. issue. Um, you know, there are, what, four dispensaries in the state of Vermont, I think it is. We've got a credit union or two that are servicing those dispensaries. No banks, I don't think. Um, and I remember, was it maybe a couple years ago, and, and this, again, is an issue that's come up in the past few or three uh, legislative sessions, um, where in testimony where I recall, I'm explaining to legislators uh, about what the uh, federal considerations are from a financial institution standpoint and whatnot and why, financial, why many financial institutions are not uh, stepping forward to service marijuana dispensaries, much less you know, people that sell marijuana when and if and when it becomes legal here in Vermont uh, across the board. Um, but there was a lot of, uh, I guess, optimism among legislators at the time, at least in that committee, saying with the assumption that, well, credit unions are going to be actively involved because, you know, it's the people's bank and all that kind of stuff and, and whatnot. And so I know I've been watching the whole issue kind of closely, not because it has any direct bearing on credit unions in this particular session and this outcome, but uh, sensing that this is kind of a step in whether it's next year or the year after, you know, uh, open legalization of marijuana, and then, you know, depending on what happens at the federal level, uh, if the coal memo that uh, financial institutions have to follow if they choose to service uh, providers is still in existence, or if it's reversed by the Trump administration or whatnot, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of considerations potentially for financial institutions and creditors in particular, depending on where things go at both the state and federal level pretty soon, and then, you know, within a year or two years. That's right, and that issue um, has had some change in the landscape on it, both in Montpelier at the federal level and in the region. Um, lawmakers note over and over, really, that Massachusetts, Maine, and Canada are moving to a taxed and regulated market. Um, their action this year, which is right now sorting itself out through a gubernatorial veto that really 
when the governor vetoed the legislation, he, he kind of said, well, there's a few minor changes that that if you enact, I'm going to be supporting this. So there's a real bipartisan moment on marijuana reform in Vermont that we're upon. Um, but the timeline under the most rosy scenarios for the proponents of this change is still pretty long and riddled with a fair amount of uncertainty. Um, in the short term, the proposals on the table now and this special session in June are to legalize kind of small possession and grow your own, not right. move into the the tax and regulated market, but of really important for the credit unions to focus on is this commission that the governor and the legislature would put together to really hash out all of the details, enforcement, banking, uh, uh, regulation, growing, um, lots of lots of details. And so there's a bit of a uh, real step that they're considering taking now, but the business side of it is left to more study, and it would be 2019, 2020 before anything emerged there. And I'll just repeat what uh, Joe mentioned in that there's a lot of uncertainty as to how the uh, Attorney General Sessions and the Trump administration is going to respond to the current uh, the, the current states that allow um, marijuana um, that's in conflict with federal law. So and we'll have a yeah, and for the better for Vermont, Massachusetts in July of 2018, based on a citizen referendum, is moving to the tax and regulated market. And so the neighbor to the south will be the state along with Maine and California sorting these issues out for the federal government. And in the meantime, Vermont is kind of studying and making some incremental change. Well, I don't know if that state level peer pressure, you might call it, had any bearing on it, but, um, you know, different than the prior couple of years, this year, it, I wasn't, we weren't hearing, or at least it wasn't out in the open, a strong opposition to uh, the whole issue of legalization to any degree. It was more about the how, mm -hmm. not whether. Um, and I don't know if the opponents to legalization of any sort have, have just kind of like, you know, surrendered uh, to the, the steamrolling of it passing in other states and whatnot, um, or if they've just, you know, sunk into the background or, or what. But Well, there was, a, there was a lot of uncertainty around how Phil Scott would engage the issue, and just this week he, he kind of stepped forward and identified himself as having a libertarian streak within him on this matter, and, and the, you know, as, as a governor who's concerned about a lot of the unintended consequences potentially the opponents seem to be allied with him there focusing on you know what type of um, conditions should be put on this type of change sure I think the data here is also pretty hard to dispute that at at least 80,000 Vermonters or that's what the research suggests are already using marijuana so this isn't um, this isn't going to be introducing something new into mm. um, into Vermonters' lives. It's more to try and prevent the criminalization uh, of current behavior and to um, get a handle on um, prevention and regulation. Yeah, which is the direction the governor really seemed to send things with his stamp on the issue this week. Right. So... Um, there's probably nothing that comes up in this two-day session in June that's of direct bearing to credit unions, I presume. 
Uh, it's about finalizing or, or adopting, approving a final budget, which really um, is contingent upon, in large part, this whole teacher um, statewide negotiation on health care issue. That's right. Uh, which is somewhat distant from credit unions. Um, so what should credit unions be looking out for? What's the next thing they should be looking out for going forward? Possibly, when, if legislators reconvene in, in the fall, to deal with budget considerations. And, and you know, we, we heard the governor uh, just today on the radio talking, well, others, uh, talking about, um, you know, his proposal for the teacher health care negotiations, saving the state, was it $25 million? $26 million. $26 yeah. million. There's some debate about the figure and whatnot. Right. Uh, but the bottom line is it's all about the budget and everything. And so every time I hear discussions about state budget and shortfalls, you know, my ears perk up and I, because I have the credit union tax exempt issue in the back of my mind and whatnot. Recently, um, I think it was this week, a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact, uh, there was another study that came out from some federal agency, I forget which, um, uh, under the Trump administration that was restating uh, the cost to the federal government of the credit union tax exemption. Um, small in the bigger scheme of things at a federal level, but still. Um, you know, restating it and making the number bigger than Aspen and whatnot. So with all of this going and everything, it just makes me w wonder, you know, are we going to, what what would put us on alert at a state level for, um, you know, concern about somebody making a move on credit and taxation in the future? Right. So two things there. One is that the, the thing to watch is what happens at the federal level with their uh, fiscal policy, not just as it relates to credit unions directly, uh, in Washington, D.C., but the downstream impacts on state budgets because Vermont's treasury is limited, and if there's, you know, a $100 million consequence to the state of Vermont from federal tax policy changes, it could throw the doors open on um, some pretty deep digging for uh, new revenue. Candidly, I think the uh, uh, bank franchise tax proposal that continues to circulate around the capital in an unending fashion as it relates to large banks is is definitely first in line for a focus on new revenue from financial institutions. Uh, the second thing I'd say, Joe, is as your advocate, I, I love to talk about this issue in this way, which is that we're not tax exempt, but the corporate income tax does not apply to us because we do not have corporate income. Right. And so without the corporate income, we can't have a corporate income tax. And so uh, really the um, folks in Washington are going to kind of by and large, set the course on um, how mad the scramble will be at the state level. Um, but rest assured, we've laid a pretty strong foundation on the non-applicability of the corporate income tax to credit unions. Um, but it is a very real kind of political football, particularly because the bank owners association's lobbying machine is is unrelenting. Always oh, playing on it, right? Yeah. Good points. Uh, Jessica, anything you think we're to be watching out for in 2018 when they reconvene? Uh, there was a push earlier in the year to raise the minimum wage, um, and that didn't uh, that didn't wasn't successful this year. But in lieu of that, one of the things the legislature did to get ready for an increase in the minimum wage was to address what's called the benefits cliff, and in doing so, it allows low-income Vermonters to save more money before they um, lose their benefits. So um, low-income uh, borrowers um, may be uh, at an advantage going forward. 
so that when the income, when the uh, minimum wage is increased, um, that may be a uh, credit union customers may uh, have benefit there, um, which point. should probably happen next year. So that would affect credit unions as as employers as well as anybody else. So as employers, and uh, it would affect affect them as employers, and it would also um, affect their borrowers. Right. Right. Yeah, we definitely could see the fifteen dollar minimum wage become the the priority of the Democrats in the legislature over the next few years, and see them drive hard for that in some stage stepped way. Right. Well, thank you very much, Adam and Jessica. Unless you've got. Uh, Anything else that we omitted uh, that's important to bring up, I think that uh, brings us to the end of another Vermont Credit on the Air podcast. Uh, we hope everyone listening found it informative. Uh, this podcast, along with ones we've previously recorded, are all archived at soundcloud.com slash VT Credit Unions. If you have ideas for a podcast on something you'd like to hear about, send it to podcast at vermontcreditunions with an S dot co-op. Until our next podcast, this is Joe Bergeron and Adam Nebraska and Jessica Oski, the Association of Vermont Credit Unions, thanking you for listening.